Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello to anyone listening. This is the Robert Lego Blogcast. I have a slightly different setup today. I'm outside. I was going to make a joke in saying that I was in paradise. uh, Because I don't know if you can hear it now. Because I was adjusting my levels. But there was a lot of birds out in the morning. uh, And I had a little bit of a later start than normal. It's after 8 now. Um, But okay, so let's get started. The, uh, what do I call it? brain food the little uh thing that i learned that i don't know if i can mash into an article that i want to share is this really cool thing that i came across i'm a little behind on the mysterious universe podcast and so i heard uh while actually yeah it was a while back but i wrote it in my notes and then i just thought i'd throw it in here now uh because it's um kind of relating to the article Uh, and the article is uh, about the color blue Um, I've ranted I've talked about the uh, that whole thing with the color blue being invented and I'll cover it a little bit here because I do have the hour and I don't have or I I don't want to take up too much space on the uh, blog itself so uh, the thing I wanted to uh, point out is how uh, incredible it is that we're discovering more things with sound. I remember when I was first, uh, how would you say, exploring, I was uh, having fun with conspiracy theories that are really out there. And uh, I'm talking about multidimensional space alien hybrid, that kind of uh, research. I shouldn't call it conspiracy, but yeah, those those kinds of stories. Um, I would hear a lot of talk about sound, that maybe they built the pyramids using sound. There were studies where they were doing at the, uh, the not the Guidestones, not the Georgia Guidestones, the other ones, the, the Stonehenge. They were sound, they were throwing certain sound frequencies throughout the area and recording the difference in the... Uh, ambient reverb that they were getting uh, walking through these stones and standing in different positions as they shoot different frequencies. Uh, But they're finding sound shuts off uh, fire. As I've mentioned before, there's a certain frequency. Mythbusters kind of covered that. Uh, There is a... Oh, man, and I'm not going to remember. This is... There was an experiment on... You could find on YouTube, let me see, um, maybe sound air in real time. I'm going to try to find this. Um, it's probably something like sound. This is what I'm typing. Uh, fire uh, effect. Yeah, that could work. 
Okay, sound effect fire for no. Uh, maybe experiment. Maybe that's the keyword. Effect X. Experiment. Experiment. And by the way, I don't have my mic stand out here because uh, I'm actually just in the yard, so I'm not able to use my left hand right now because I'm holding the mic and I don't want to spike the levels too high. There's a pyro board 2D Rubens tube that you could find. Uh, tube. Something tube. Um, here it is. The Rubens flame tube. That might be what it's called then. Uh, but anyway, look that up and you'll see that when you shoot sound waves as you're uh, shooting fuel through a pipe that has holes drilled on top of it, kind of like a grill, but the, this extends outward, you can affect flames with sound. So there's manipulation as well as uh, extinguishing effects on the flame. But <clears throat> the interesting one that I found was that it affects our taste. And in this article, uh, because I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure if it's mentioned in the article or not, but I, I will add the link. So if you go to robertlego.org, look up, uh, it's, I believe I'm calling it something along the lines of is blue at the borders of uh, suicide. And it'll have a Guardian article. And if not, just Google uh, the Guardian, how sound affects the taste of our food. So this is something that even, uh, who is it, the ice cream, Ben and Jerry's were considering uh, adding like a online code so that you can get your smartphone, you take a picture of that little coded cereal on the uh, side of the packaging and then you can put on your headphones and eat your ice cream while you're listening to the specific sounds that alter the taste buds. The article itself, if you go to The Guardian, you'll find a link there that says, uh, try it yourself. You can go on there and listen to the frequencies. I played with it a little and I not, I'm not entirely sure that it is affecting it or not because uh, now I, I'm so into the whole placebo effect and understanding how powerful it is. And I'm not sure if what I was feeling is a placebo effect, like a uh, selective tasting um, or just a bias in general. But I uh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that sound does affect. There's even a, uh, a response that we get where you can get actually uh, emotionally bothered by certain sounds, sounds like the sound of person a uh, person eating loudly next to you uh, I, I think that I might have something uh, related to that uh, but anyway sound is very powerful and it can alter the way you taste they argue that the food that you're eating on an actual uh, on an airline is actually a lot tastier than you think that it is it's just that you're flying what is it 600 miles an hour through the sky uh, the low, the, the high, uh, low oxygen atmosphere that uh, where you're flying in a metal tube through the air, um, all that vibration, all that sound, it, it really isn't um, working in its favor. It's making the food taste a lot uh, worse. 
and um, so try it, try out that that experiment. It, it's kind of fun. I'm I'm going to try it out after this with my wife and her friends and whoever wants to. Um, I'm sorry about the plane. Again, I'm outdoors. I'm not in my uh, where I record normally. Um, and so, yeah, it, I feel that uh, as I've mentioned before, the uh, what is it called? The um, um, geez, eye dozers. The sound frequencies that that are known to calm you. The study of that song that is the most relaxing song that can effectively put people in a state where they can fall asleep easier. There's a lot of study now uh, in sound, and it's uh, great. I feel because. Uh, maybe just as as uh, as um, adamant I was in believing that sound could possibly uh, uh, alter the environment, it, it is opening our eyes into understanding a little bit better the uh, technologies like that. And I, I spoke to a guy that was developing, and and it's not like a. I mean, this guy's a genius, but he has a location where he has like a therapeutic products and so he was explaining to me a while back must have been maybe even five years now a machine that he had that he was believing can possibly reverse diabetes and heal heal certain organs by uh, altering the organ or or cleansing it or stimulating certain cells in it all through the use of sound waves. So it, it's very uh, fascinating. I, I hope that it leads to somewhere where uh, it can um, benefit people. And um, it's just so exciting that now we're, we're completely opening the gates to a whole new type of uh, medicinal treatment. Um, as I've mentioned before, there's light that does that as well. And that kind of leads right into the article. Uh, not bad. Under 10 minutes. Okay, so we're good. All right, so yeah, go to robertlego.org. Go all the way to the bottom. Yeah, that plane is uh, capturing. Okay. Go all the way to the bottom and you'll find that Guardian article. It's from 2014. Yeah, March 11th. Uh, 311. That's weird. I, I've been listening, uh, watching this guy, this uh, YouTuber, Marty Leeds 33. And um, I ordered his book. He, it, it's very fascinating. I've always uh, been curious about numerology and uh, I almost feel like at least the numerology that I had come across didn't make too much sense and it, it's very uh, uh, how would you say uh, it's almost like wishful math uh, but this guy explains it in a way that it's very intriguing it, it makes me wonder if there is something to it um, and just in intelligent design I guess it's really what he's kind of uh, uh, pointing out and um, that goes into either um, corruptly into like a belief that the Bible is 100% factual and all of that and uh, just the fact that maybe everything is a little more connected than we think. Uh, so in other words, I'm not saying that I, I'm uh, 
changing my beliefs in what I think. I'm just saying that it, it's fascinating that there's a, a mathematical study that kind of shows links to uh, like pi, for example, the golden ratio of phi and so many things that they just keep repeating. And it, it, it's uh, almost like if it's repeating because of the simple nature of math itself uh, and nature, like I pointed out, is basically what we considered God uh, in the beginning, in my opinion, or from what I've read. Um, okay, so in the article, I'm talking about uh, the psychology of colors. And if you know, I don't know if this is true because I only heard it, uh, or read it in one article and it, it more than likely I did save it. So look at the bottom of the, uh, is blue, the border of suicide article and see if I have it there. Uh, and if not, you're just going to have to search if it's difficult to find, uh, chances are it might not have been based on a actual study. Uh, so it, maybe it's just anecdotal or somebody's just extrapolating into meaning that they're getting just uh, certain studies and then manipulating the um, uh, information in a way where they think that this is where it would lead to um, in a weird way. And I might be wrong with this, but it, it seems like that's kind of what we do with uh, the studies that we do on mice. The mice have a lot shorter lifespans than we do, but they're very similar uh, in their physiology as us. And so they can run studies that if you tested it on a human, um, immorality aside, if you tested it on a human, it would take a lifetime to figure out the effects of aspartame to cells and how that leads to cancer. For example, but if you did it on a mouse and I, I'm, I don't know where I stand in this because uh, it's really messed up, but I don't know. Uh, I don't have an opinion uh, at this point on that, uh, but it, it makes sense that you can somewhat safely assume that the effects that the mouse is feeling in two weeks, you can probably feel when you uh, expand the ratio of the mouse's life lifespan versus the human lifespan and then you use that ratio to estimate that i don't know 15 year or let's just say one year of continual uh aspartame consumption is going to lead to cancer and less uh uh with a certain dosage and percentage of the mass of the mouse okay anyway that's way too uh, way too much of a tangent. Um, so, okay, in this study, they're they're claiming that uh, reds and yellows, uh, all the way up to I guess bordering orange, are colors that they use in fast food. The reason is that it stimulates certain parts of our uh, physiology. It it makes us almost like ready to react. Uh, that's more along the warmer uh, colors, and then the colder colors the the cooler blues and greens and uh, violets are on the opposite end of the spectrum and those are the colors that you see more at night uh, not only that but when you go further and further down into the depths of the ocean the last colors that are able to penetrate are blues uh, something about the wavelengths they're a lot calmer 
so it doesn't get blocked out by different uh, refractions and materials in the water. Uh, so that says something as well. This is also why in film I, I learned when I was in uh, art school, I learned that you don't want to use uh, red screens. That's why it's a green screen or a blue screen. Uh, and part of it is because we have so many warm tones in our skin. And I apologize for the other plane. Let me take a sip of water as it's going by so you can enjoy the sound. Um, so uh, what they're claiming is that the red or the color is an uh, indication of how fast the food will be served to you. And that kind of makes sense because, uh, I mean, in California, on the West Coast, we have in and out There's a lot of red in there, a little bit of yellow. Jack in the Box is uh, has a lot of red, uh, red and white, I believe, only. Uh, Wendy's has red, and uh, they're very, very fast. Sometimes even by the time you're done ordering, you just take sidestep two times and your tray is ready with your food. Uh, and then they, um, the ones that are getting more towards the uh, cooler in, in respects to the warm colors, meaning red being the hottest and then you're getting cooler as you're reaching the yellow end and orange end, um, it starts to get a little bit slower. So it's it's still fast food, but it's not uh, drive-through fast. It's uh, sit-down fast. Uh, and then there's other uh, aspects of those eating establishments that is kind of uh, point at whether they want you to be there long or not. And that's whether the seats are comfortable or not. If you notice, a lot of the redder restaurants have harder, more uncomfortable seats. And then the closer you get to a sit-down restaurant, the more soft cushion, soft carpet, maybe curtains, softer lights, more private areas, those are encouraging you to hang out and have a couple drinks and have a different dining experience than the uh, rush fast food consumption that we do through drive throughs uh, And so, there my screen went black. Uh, okay, so reds and yellows and then blues are, are calming. Uh, I will... Uh, cover it here, but I didn't in the article about the original study that uh, I heard on Radio Lab first. I know the Cracked Podcast mentions it as well, but it all stems from the research of William Ewart, Ewart, Ewart Gladstone. So just look up that name and you'll find, uh, what is the book called? I thought I put it on. He's studying the Homeric Age language. You know what? I don't think I did it, but I know the link is at the bottom. So go to the page and you'll see uh, the link. Uh, and he studied the, uh, this is the summary part. This is what's not in my article. The He studied that uh, during the time when Homer was writing, they realized that the description of the sky, wine, and, and certain things back in those days in, the, in this uh, actual text, this literature, they were off, that they were describing the sky as being a color of wine and uh, everything seems skewed. And ultimately, the way that they proved their theory is they 
uh, got these glasses that block out the color blue. And the colors that they were describing in these uh, old texts were matching the exact colors that they were seeing through this lens. There is a scientist that also uh, did a study, and this is a, a little bit uh, wrong, uh, immoral, unethical, that um, tested it on her, on his uh, child, and didn't introduce the color blue, and then later introduced the color blue and realized that uh, the child was aware and learned the uh, color and uh, the the experience itself altered the way the child perceived all the other colors. Therefore, in other words, what it's saying is that we invented the color blue, that the uh, the name for the color that it, we know today as blue was not necessary because at the time, uh, is the claim, at the time we didn't have means of making materials or I guess need to make materials that were blue. Maybe pottery wasn't colored in that way. Maybe blueberries weren't around. I don't know exactly, but uh, the if you needed to point at the color blue, you might as well just point up to the sky because it's the only thing around that you know that looks that way. Maybe water if you're close uh, to the coast. Uh, but nonetheless, the color blue is uh, not invented. And then when it's created, it seems that our perception is skewed. Uh, again, I, I've mentioned before that I believe it's... Oh, man, how unfair is it? Is it Russian? It must be Russian. Maybe I hope it's not German, but I think it's Russian that... They have more colors for ranges of color. Uh, they have more names for ranges of colors, meaning they don't just call a light blue, light blue, baby blue or sky blue. If you needed to distinguish those, you'd probably struggle. But if you are talking to the person that speaks this language, then they would be able to distinguish it or somebody that works in paint. Uh, I've always uh, found it so amazing that I, as a child growing up, I would call paints white and I'm in my room and people would ask, well, what color is your room? White. It, every time that we, uh, we uh, look at our wall, we're actually not seeing true white. I mean, a, a, apart from the refraction and reflection of lights in the room and uh, it, it's very quite complex. Uh, and as a tangent, you know, the movie I really like, Fight Club. There's a bonus feature where there's a scene, if you're familiar with the film, uh, and if not, you can go on YouTube, probably find the, the behind the scenes that describes this. Now, in this scene, it's uh, a dolly. Uh, there's a camera, maybe on a tripod or a dolly, uh, and it's a smooth shot that goes through the apartment. It's almost like it's uh, a tracking shot while it's slightly rotating. Now... As the uh, the scene is playing out, the furniture in the room is filling in. And if you pay close attention, the background colors, the colors on the wall, need to be adapted. They need to be affected by the things that are in the room. Kind of similar how I was talking about how the ambient, no, ambient ambiance, 
the ambient noise in, for example, your car is different than another person's car. And you can probably be blindfolded. You sit in a car and maybe, I, I mean, if to prove this type of experiment, you would probably need to uh, change out the seat. So maybe it not, might not be as easy. But if the seat were the same and you sit in a different vehicle than your own, you would probably be able to recognize that it's not your vehicle. I mean, apart from touching anything or smelling anything. Uh, and that's because the way that sound reverbs in a room is uh, is being recognized by yourself. Uh, I believe that blind people use this to orient themselves and to uh, know which way traffic is going or uh, which way, I don't know, uh, it, an obstacle is in front of them. Uh, even apart from that guy that clicks and, and uses like a bat uh, a wavelength to try to uh, orient themselves. But uh, so the... Um, the person that works at a paint place, they can see that it's not white. If your room was truly white, they they say that you'd probably be going a little crazy. And I have, I have seen walls that are true white, and it's not pretty. It actually looks a little bit, uh, um, how would you say, a little bit ghetto if a wall is true white. That's why I always remember growing up hearing Navajo white. Yeah, what color is it? Navajo white. And that's like a cream uh, tone. Uh, and I, again, I probably sound completely uh, dumb to somebody that doesn't uh, know much about colors and probably dumb to somebody that does know about colors. But uh, you get what I'm trying to say. Um, and so the spectrum in between is so fascinating. Oh, real quick. Let me just also mention because I, I found it so... Uh, interesting, and the, I, maybe this was something that I could have even mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is that uh, Marty Leeds also points out that when we start to label ourselves as uh, Americans or as a uh, white race, we start to dilute the it's almost like a archaic re revival to use uh, Graham Hancock's words. No, not Graham Hancock, sorry, uh, is it? Yeah, Graham Hancock, right? And uh, the Archaic Revival, meaning kind of what was attempted to be done at the Fight Club book, where they're eradicating the ancient cultures and starting anew. Uh, but this is obviously something that would be bad for us all, uh, the eradication of all the knowledge that we had in the past, which is what I'm trying to uh uncover and, and uh, learn for myself and to share with all of you. Uh, and that's the missing l the information, the missing link. What did people think back then? I know that they weren't stupid. I know they didn't think that God was literally in the sky shining down on them. I know that uh, there was a lot more intelligence out there uh, as evident by the structures that were left behind. And uh, even more and more evident every every day as we discover more uh, ancient sites like uh, Gobegli Tepe and Gunung Parang, um, which I'm always ranting about and always curious about new findings when it comes to that. Um, but so uh, Marty Leeds points out that when you say I'm black or I'm white, you're talking about literally the aspects of wavelengths of light that are the collection of all and the void of all 
uh, colors, and none of us are pure white. I I would venture to guess that not a single human being on this planet would be either a pure black or a pure uh, a pure white. We're all shades of brown. We're all colored. And if you uh, start to label yourself, for example, as an American, then it, it kind of uh, disses all the old uh, cultures before it. There's no more uh, natives to this land. Now you're labeling them Americans as in the new guys that came here. This is also something that was uh, talked about on Joe Rogan, but I honestly don't remember who it was that was saying this. But... Uh, they were saying that we call them Indians and they're not from India. And then we call them uh, Native Americans. And now we're labeling them under our new uh, created name, uh, America, which is uh, what is it off of the star that we were guiding. And who knows where originally the name of America came from. But now we're calling all of them Amer Native Americans rather than whatever tribe name they used to have before that. It's like a wiping. It's an eraser, an iron, like in uh, Furikuri, the FLCL, the animation. It's an ironing of all the wrinkles. It's really quite dark to attempt to do stuff like that. That's why it's so um, bothersome to hear people like uh, Bill Gates and um, all the the rich people that are helping vaccinate and uh, openly talking about eradicating uh, certain classes of people or certain groups of people um, because it, it's almost like they're just going in there and forcing them or encouraging them to inject this thing in their veins that is ultimately not something good for them uh, whether depending on where you stand on that debate of course uh, but it's um, quite horrifying if there is truth to these people trying to wipe out all the old to bring in the new and make themselves rich in the process. Uh, how's that for dark? a dark uh, tangent? Okay, so uh, back to colors. So there's tons of research now where there's different studies that study the different effects of color. If you remember, there's a football team that had their their uh, locker room painted a pink and they found that pink actually had them uh, react quicker and it affected aggression as well so normally the teams that had their uh, color of the locker room changed to a warmer color like a pink rather than a blue or, or a neutral tone uh, actually played a lot better than the uh, the opposite group uh, and uh, you can find stuff like that research that uh, there, there's one that I actually found that they claim, and I don't know this for a fact, I came across it on a couple different sites that yellow is a color that'll make a, a baby cry. There was a guy that had his room painted yellow and the child kept crying. The doctor recommended or, or somebody, one of his friends recommended that he, that he change the color of the room. Uh, from yellow to a different tone he did and he says he the child uh, rarely cried after that uh, and this is a theory the theory is that the child is warning the the parent that the uh, child is in direct sunlight uh, because that's what it associates the color yellow with 
and that uh, it is warning the uh, parent and uh, encouraging him to get him out of the sun. Uh, but there is something very uh, fascinating and, and very, I, I think, important even beyond psychological effects of the uh, colors that we're around. And that is the melatonin. The circadian rhythm is, is very important to us. And uh, this is something else that we're discovering more and more, especially with the neural research that we're getting. Uh, it's proving that the circadian rhythm is a lot more delicate than we thought and that it is affected. This is uh, something that uh, there was some sort of bacteria or cells that they studied uh, who is a J. Woodland Hastings and Beatrice M. Sweeney uh, all the way back in 1958. And so they found that the uh, light that was uh, received by these cells were was affected. The uh, circadian rhythm was manipulated by the different type of light that was shined on these cells. So it really didn't uh, correlate to humans because we didn't believe that the circadian rhythm could be affected as easily as these cells until later in uh, 98. Uh, so fairly uh, recent. Uh, I mean, it went for look how long without them even acknowledging that there could be a possibility for this. And uh, that was because they found a new type of a photoreceptor and I believe it was in the eye. Uh, this photoreceptor proved that we did uh, um, how would you say we did acknowledge and uh, change our our uh, our chemicals in our brain uh, depending on the type of light that we were receiving on what types of uh, um, what type of light on, at what type of day. Uh, and then there's more studies, which I, I believe I did save them on my uh, my article there, robertlego.org. Um, there is, uh, again, remember the light, the medicine of the future, where he actually tried different colored lights. And he found that the healthiest light for uh, the uh, plants that they were testing, and ultimately his argument is that they're the best a wavelength of light for us all is the natural light that we get from the sun, which has the full spectrum of all the colors, uh, as evident when you put a prism in front of it. And when they did different types of lights, it was very harmful. Uh, now, there's something interesting in, uh, and I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but uh, depending on whether the light is reflective or created, uh, it kind of reverses. So just like the the wheel of the color, you know, red and green are opposites, blue and orange are opposites, uh, and what is it, yellow and purple are opposites. Uh, there's some relationship there as well in that if you are wearing, I'm, and I, again, I might be mixing this up, but if you're emitting a certain light, then it creates creating that light as a light source that that specific color and if it's reflecting it's absorbing all the light and reflecting only that light so it's a little slightly different and it, it would be the 
uh, almost like in, in math where you reverse a whole number into a fraction uh, to uh, combine to another fraction. Um, and again, uh, this is just somebody that knows a little about a lot of things. And this probably is something that's not my strong suit, but I, I'm doing my best to explain it in the rhetoric that I uh, am allowed to by my brain. Um, and uh, so the circadian rhythm is just so important that in the studies that they did, they were trying to find uh, a link between uh and I guess this this specific study points at the melatonin. The melatonin is the chemical that is is released by the pineal gland. I believe that that was under debate, but now it is fairly well known that the pineal gland does produce the melatonin. So um, I, I believe I'm correct on that, but you might as well just uh, search that just to confirm it before you start uh, repeating what I'm saying. Um, just like with everything that I say, don't take any of this uh, at face value. Just do your research and see if it makes sense to you. Uh, so melatonin is known to, uh, throughout the, the studies that they did, they basically got like a tumor and they were injecting blood from, uh, and I don't know why specifically women, but they were uh, using blood from uh, patients that were uh, at different points in the day and one was under natural light the other one is i believe minutes after uh maybe uh, two hours or something after the sun had gone down and they are under artificial light and then uh it might have been like uh shortly after receiving uh regular light and they found that the the point at time when the blood has the most me uh, melatonin in it at um did not reduce the tumor, but it did slow its growth. So at the very least, it might not encourage tumor growth, but it is slowing it. And melatonin is, of course, the chemical that you're blocking when you're uh, sitting up uh, or, or just staying up on your mobile phone wondering why it is that you can't sleep. Uh, as I've mentioned before, this is like medicating yourself through your eyes. Uh, and again, if you care to do more research on that, this was an older book that uh, I don't know exactly when it was written. I'm sure I can find out for you. Uh, let me see. Light the medicine. Medicine. That's me typing with one hand. Light the medicine of the future. Okay, so Amazon... 1990. So this book, back in the 90s, he was pointing this out. And again, as as I mentioned earlier, it was only till 98 that we actually acknowledged that we had a photoreceptor to even recognize the difference between natural light and artificial light or just darkness. Uh, and uh, there is environmental concerns with artificial lighting as well. As we know, the... Uh, the uh, sky is blocked out by the lights of the city, the light pollution, as they call it. Uh, sea turtles. And I, I always am uh, curious when they tie it into global warming and we're hurting the planet. But this does seem um, factual that sea turtles will naturally go away from the dark uh, shadows. And that would be where land is 
going to. So they hatch, they go away from the dark shadows, and that leads them down into the ocean because uh, the ocean is emanating a little bit more uh, lighting than the uh, by the glow of the moon than the um, city should or the land should, and the city is confusing them, and the turtle will. Uh, go in the opposite direction. There's videos where they actually test this and prove that the turtles are uh, blinded by the light, so to speak. Um, but I didn't uh, dig into m too much of that. Uh, and uh, there was one other light pollution thing. Oh, they did claim that in the 94 or whatever that was, quake, that people were calling in claiming that they saw strange lights in the sky or like a... Uh, a, a cloud of, of lights in the sky and they uh, were claiming in this article I was reading that it was that the light pollution had all gone down because of the earthquake power the, the power grid went down and the very little light pollution uh, kind of confused people because they had never seen the Milky Way above the uh, uh, above LA I don't know if that's true or not I uh kind of weird that it, it kind of uh, reminds me of claims that people say that they see colors in the sky and they uh, there's uh, claims that this is because of technologies like harp uh, but I, I really don't know I know people that they themselves and they don't have much reason to lie I don't know if it's trauma of the event or what it was but they do claim that as soon as they made it out the door on that morning of the earthquake in Northridge California that they looked up into the sky and that they saw different uh, colors in the sky almost like flashes of light that were different colors uh, multiple people have told me that uh, so I don't know uh, what to attribute that to uh, I just know that that's what they're claiming that they saw uh, so back to, okay, so circadian rhythm, you're staring at your phone. As a matter of fact, I believe that the new iPhones have a setting where it makes a little bit warmer colors. I would say uh, don't even bother with that. Uh, you need to probably put your phone down. Uh, the study that they did is uh, they did a, and I can give you the exact wavelengths, uh, they did 30 minutes of 500 lux polychromatic blue light um, and it did delay REM sleep 30 minutes this is a study that they did and uh, so they're proving that the blue light is effective like that when I first heard this I really had to open my mind to this possibility because I heard it through the uh, bulletproof podcast and he was claiming that uh, he was doing uh, light therapy and, and he was basically medicating himself so that he can fix his uh, circadian rhythm. And he had night lights that were red. And this is something that he encourages so that if you get up to use the restroom or get a drink of water at night, you're not uh, getting blue or uh, green lights in your face uh, as uh as they are very common for digital displays in most of our devices. But if you have red warm lights, you can go to the restroom, come back, go back to sleep, and the circadian rhythm, the melatonin dump is not uh, stopping. You're still uh, having enough melatonin. It's not confusing your body into thinking that the sun is up and it's time to get up, uh, which is 
apparently what it does. Your body stops the melatonin. You wake up and now you're ready to start your day. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, so he has red light shining. Uh, he, I remember, was pointing out that it had to be from a specific direction. And I want to say that it's the right side. I don't know why that was. I don't remember him ever explaining that. But I wonder if that's uh, psychologically uh, because we read from left to right. Uh, because as you know, when somebody does a smirk, depending on which side of the uh, face it's on, you can take it as something positive or something uh, hidden and um, unsincere. Uh, and so what else? Okay, so 98, that, that photoreceptor was discovered. And I just want to see. Okay, damn, I'm a little chatty today. 44 minutes, 43 minutes. Yeah. Um, circadian rhythm. Um, the pineal gland. Okay, so this is where I I am tying this into a different uh, research. And I just wanted to point out that there's different things in our environment that affect us different ways. And just like the colors are so evident and, and blatant, you can see how uh, elements can affect, sound affects, uh, colors affect, and of course, elements would affect. So... Um, I've talked about flotation tanks where lying in a couple inches of salted water in a quiet, controlled environment is forcing us into a theta brain state, which is what uh, meditation practitioners are attempting to achieve. And, of course, running water is supposed to be very therapeutic. Being close to the ocean or waterfalls is uh claim to be very healthy. I don't know if the ion claim is correct. The negative ions fly in the air and then you're absorbing them and you need negative ions. You don't regenerate them. So they're just depleting. And the older you are, the less ions you have. And the, uh, the uh, younger you are, the more ions you have. Uh, I have a friend that sells medical equipment, just like the chi machine that I've written about. I haven't had the extra cash to purchase one, but they have a machine that uh, allegedly refills your uh, your negative ions. And uh, maybe in the future I can buy that, do some research on it, and uh, report back to you guys. But it's quite expensive. I think it's a couple hundred dollars, maybe 800 bucks or more. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's quite pricey. But I, I don't know if that's true or not, the negative ions claim. But the studies do show that people li that live near coastal areas do live longer, healthier lives than those that live in the city. And I know, I, I know, f of course, what you're thinking. There's a lot of different factors. There's the brake dust that flies all over the place in the city. There's the smog. There's the stress, the anxiety. There's the uh, all the different factors that play a part but um, I think that most people that go to the coast or to an area where there is running water uh, can at least anecdotally uh, perceive some feeling of calmness that is done through the uh, 
uh, through the, how would you say, through being close to a body of water or just running water in general. Uh, but um, there is negative factors too, just like it gives us life and it, it frankly is, is probably something that we can't do without. You can go without eating for quite a while, but you can't go without drinking for too long. And um, while it still can give you life, it can just as easily take it away. If you drink too much water, you can uh, deplete all your, jeez, um, uh, is it not the ions? You're depleting your electrolytes, which is the salt, the minerals that are allowing conductivity uh, of electricity between the nervous system. So you deplete all of that, you collapse and die. Um, you, anybody that's been in, in the ocean knows how insignificant we are in comparison to a large natural um, immense power like these elements that we classify as gods in ancient uh, literature. We consider the, the uh, ocean this amazing god that rides in a, in a horse uh, and and just has this incredible force that can take down a city. It can wipe out a mountain, but it is so soft that it can uh, run through your fingers in a caressing, uh, loving manner. Um, but um, water is, I, I feel, something that naturally we are uh, aware of and, and very cautious of because we're mammals and we are although there's claims that we were an aquatic ape and that's why we're born out of water uh, I, I think that the relationship is very um, how would you say it's very sensitive uh, it's it, it's very loving and caring while very uh, heartless and, and ruthless uh, and so that that leads me into um, activities that we do that are close to the ocean. And of course, the main one that comes to mind is uh, surfing, like water sports like surfing. I remember talking to a guy when I was in art, art school that was obsessed with uh, uh, surfing. Here, here's a story on, on why I, I'm saying how passionate he was. I remember that I saw a movie and uh, he's talking about surfing and as i've mentioned before i'm fascinated by people that have a passion whatever it is that that, that passion is i just want to see their perspective on why it drives them why it gives them that much joy and so he's talking about surfing or he 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 made uh some claim and and made it clear that he was maybe he did a report on surfing or something and so i i we were in class once and i turned to him and i was just talking to him about surfing and i'm like hey i wanted to ask you um uh, because i i enjoyed this movie i saw and i'm just curious if you saw it and it's about surfing and then right when i was about to say it i i blank on the name and i'm like uh it's a surfing movie it's fairly new it came out either earlier this year or two years ago at most and then he's like oh come on man you're killing me come on tell me and then i said i'm, I'm sorry i just i'm blanking on the name there's girls there's a lot of girls in it and he goes oh blue crush this is of course after he mentioned like six different movies and i'm like wow you really like and he's like come on man this is this is how i live or something along those lines and uh 
So I, I found it so funny that, uh, of course, he he thought that it was pretty cool. He enjoyed it, and he um, he uh, told me something that was very telling. He says that he had met a couple of uh, actual surfers, and that one thing that he uh, believes is that you'll rarely ever see a surfer that is cocky, and that's because the ocean quickly makes you realize how uh, insignificant and how uh, how small and, and how little power you have. And that uh, any surfer that, that pushes his limits has at, at least at very, at one point or another experience, near death experience. They were caught in a wave, <clears throat> they made a mistake, <clears throat> they got exhausted. Uh, whatever it is that happened, it made them realize that their life is very fragile and that this uh, adds and encourages this sense of uh, being down to earth and being uh, caring and, and uh, understanding of other people that are trying to get into the sport. And uh, they are very welcoming people and uh, they're rarely cocky. Um, and so... Um, I feel that um, there's also or there's the possibility that, that the blue is something that keeps us within the confines of our existence, within uh, a certain growth. And these people that are willing to challenge themselves, whenever you see those YouTube videos where look up a, a YouTube video called people are awesome and it's just a musical montage of clips where people are doing just incredible amazing things that some of them I, I never even knew existed to be completely honest some of these um, things that they're doing are just so incredible like the uh, squirrel suits they're gliding down with uh, only a suit allowing them to maneuver in between hills um, I don't know, slingshotting themselves into a lake, uh, all these different extreme sports where they're doing it for the thrill. And I, I know that there is a, a special cocktail that surfers and anybody that's that's this adrenaline junkie, as they call them, there's a certain cocktail where they're inciting the fight or flight response while still maybe even experiencing some dopamine drop uh, and that is maybe relaxing them. And they're kind of finding this cocktail that is, uh, I mean, chemically very similar to what cocaine does in the body. Uh, as a matter of fact, it does stimulate the exact same uh, neurotransmitters as cocaine. So we do acknowledge that it is something that they are getting a thrill out of. But there is still a drive to get to that place. There's the propensity. So in other words, somebody bungee jumping might feel that thrill, but it still takes the effort of somebody uh, that is driven enough to take that first leap and attempt to do this uh, bungee cord um, um, uh, experience out of their own will because nobody is forcing them to experience they're uh, being driven towards something this is similar and I, I know I'm getting a little um, out there um, in time and everything but I'll, I'll try to make this one concise uh, there is 
an article that I read in the past, and it, this might have been either Men's Health or yeah, I think it was a Men's Health article where they were talking about the cell, the sacrificial, um, sacrificial um, thought or or. Um, a drive in certain people. And you would think that the people that are willing to sacrifice their lives to save the group would die out because the majority of the time when this goes wrong, this certain uh, minimal group of people will quickly wipe out because their behavior is is uh, encouraging their uh, survival to, to stop, to, to, to cease. And then that uh, would eventually lead the evolutionary process to just wipe that cell out. But we don't find that. We find that there's more and more people being born with this cell that is willing to sacrifice itself. So there is some parts that where we're naturally inclined to go beyond our limits and to at the risk of our own uh, safety, we are encouraging growth in humanity in aspects of life that we never even thought possible but um the color blue i feel is almost like a barrier wall a, a thing that that uh, chemically makes you uh, stay awake stay alert neutralize maybe some of the the um fight or flight hormones and make you rethink things so that as uh, in the I, I'm just making the argument myself that maybe as the uh, ancient ancestor uh, that to humanity was depressed and uh, which is a natural state, I, I feel that feeling depressed, that sadness and um, um, any of those emotions is something that's a part of life and to try to numb it is, is silly as uh, Barbara Ehrenreich points out in uh, – in her lectures and her interviews and books, uh, look her up. She's a she's a very smart woman that points out that uh, it's almost uh, it's almost crazy to tell somebody that I know you lost your job, I know your wife left you, I know you are down in the dumps, but smile, be grateful for the things that you do have, and it's very um, psychotic thinking to try to tell somebody to smile while and here's the devil's advocate part while it is uh, interesting that our emotions are actually fed by our actions sometimes so the act of actually smiling might pick up your mood uh, but it, it's still a little bit um, unhealthy to try to eradicate all sadness in your life and if we could really do that it, it's a scary uh, concept of us walking around with smiles on our faces and never having a sad day in our lives that doesn't sound like living um, there's a man more and more tangents there's also a book where an alien comes to earth and is attempting to experience human existence and only until he has the experience of a death of of uh, sadness does he truly understand what it is to be human and before that he's just uh attempting to imitate and to fit into this uh, existence and sadness is what makes humanity human uh, and up the uh, oh no sorry inside out um, there's a theory 
uh, video where they say that Joy is actually the villain in the film. And it kind of makes sense because a lot of the things that happen are a direct result of her actions. And it is uh, silly to think that she can um, supersede all the other emotions and make the person feel joy all the time. It's almost like an induced drug state, which is what um, people are falling victim to through the uh, all those heroin-based drugs that people are on, uh, the popping pills and meth and all that craziness. Um, but... So, as I was saying back, man, after all these tangents, back to our ancient ancestor of man that's uh, depressed and he's walking up the hill and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to fling myself off this hill and I, I don't want to live. And he's slowly walking up the little hill as he's crying and um, remembering his wife that left, left him and his village that was attacked or whatever it is that's bothering him. And all he's seeing as he's walking towards this edge of this cliff is just a beautiful blue sky. And that blue is, is altering his psychology and he's uh, calming down a little and he's rethinking his choice. Kind of same if uh, he chose to just jump into a lake and drown himself. That uh, that water is, is stopping him. It's, it's showing all this blue and it's making him rethink uh, the fall itself could even be uh, making him rethink his choice as well as, as they claim that most people that jump off of a structure to kill themselves regret it as they're falling down and that could even be uh, chemicals as well that are forcing you to slow down time because as as you remember I've talked about Kronos Kairos and all that stuff time is relative so maybe when you jump off all the chemicals that are processing through your mind are making you rethink and ultimately you realize that it's a temporary state and that life is much more valuable than that and that death and suicide is not the answer uh, so our ancestor is walking up to the cliff and he stops he thinks about it and he stands at the edge and he thinks to himself you know what there's always hope. There's always a chance. Who knows? Maybe things will pick up. I, I might as well just try. Um, I only have one shot at this, and I might as well just uh, take that to the absolute edge. And uh, maybe I shouldn't jump off of this cliff. Maybe I should go and try to fix some of those issues that I have. Uh, and maybe in the water it has uh, that effect as well, being submerged in water is calming you uh, as the flotation tanks do and falling in the ocean and as your as our ancient ancestor is floating in the, that lake or body of water he is hearing the silence the um, the god of water is it uh is it Prometheus no Prometheus gave life he's like Lucifer geez uh, Triton Triton. There, there's so many different gods, but the god of water is slowly caressing. He's he's embracing our ancient ancestor of man as he's lying in the water waiting to pass out and die. He is being embraced and held almost like a womb, the way that he was brought into this world. It's uh, neutralizing all the sounds, maybe all the the hum that was bothering him in the back of his mind. It's blocking out. It's, it's 
neutralizing all the synapses that are clouding his judgment and thinking and it's bringing down all the chemicals it's maybe calming him maybe not allowing him to feel as down as he does feel now and naturally he's not taking in a breath of water yet because that's what our body does he will naturally fight for survival and then even uh, if he uh, swallowed a bunch of water the body will naturally transfer that water and, and bypass it into the stomach rather than fill the lungs just as a last hope that maybe his buddy will run in and pull him out and rescue him and that this is actually true you can see a very horrifying video where this um, art performance is done in a bathtub this guy basically basically drowns himself and is, uh, he gets revived as a performance art piece but he, he explains and he shows it that when you absorb water, you actually it bypasses into your stomach and then your lungs are still filled with uh, air and oxygen. And so, yeah, you can hold your breath for a long period of time and our, uh, our ancestor is floating there wondering if he really should just give up on life and drown himself. And then he has one last chance now that all the chemicals have subsided now that there's no environmental noise now that the water god is embracing him and uh, kind of patting him on the head and making him rethink his his actions he will uh, hopefully just decide you know what it life is a little more precious and i should um i should not take it away and and uh waste it that simple uh, and that is just nature allowing us to keep expanding growing and learning and while at the same time embracing us and and giving us the care and love that we need and allowing us to use our cognitive rational logical thinking uh, and uh, acknowledge that happy balance between uh, consciousness and awareness that the environment is affecting us that mindful state of knowing that the environment will incite emotions but the emotions are the result of the feelings that feelings is uh, the sensory synapses of what you're uh, perceiving through this thing we call life and that happy medium is uh, you being a rational being um, okay I hope I didn't sound too hippie there at the end uh, now we're in five minutes let me see was there anything else that I wanted to cover before I end this um, sound blue colors there's a lot more effects to the colors so check out those articles or just uh, do a search and just uh if you're curious about it, uh, go into the subjects and, and find a little better understanding to what uh, things are doing to make you feel. And uh, it's really quite fascinating. This is the stuff that really excites me when I start to discover that, that uh, orange incites a lot of uh, uh, reaction and, and it kind of hypes you up when blue relaxes and calms you when red can be 
uh, conniving, uh, dangerous color when worn by the villain or a passionate, loving color when it's worn by someone you love. Uh, when it incites uh, uh, passion as in rage and, and anger with uh, blood and, and uh, the hot embers uh, burning something, but uh, love and caring as a, a beautiful rose or, or um, I don't know, beautiful red lips. Um, I, oh, I don't know if I, if I got further into that, but as I was mentioning the green screen before, uh, real quick, the, the green screen, yes, the film uh, also has the uh, warmer tones towards the bottom, so you don't want to alter the uh, or manipulate the film if you use more uh, uh, warmer tones you're uh, in a safer environment when developing film that's why they use like a red color uh, and uh, it's also why if you use a red screen it's going to clash with a lot of the warm colors in a person's skin if you've ever seen the green screen mistakes uh, you can uh it, you can kind of see how if the person was wearing something that's similar to the green screen, the software just detects it and, and removes it as well. So you never want to wear a color that's similar to the color in uh, the green screen that you're using. Uh, and uh, you'll also notice that uh, my wife and I remember uh, as we were dating, I've always liked the color green and we realized how difficult it was to find green um, uh, nightgowns, lingerie, and and undergarments, and uh, as it's explained to me, it's because red uh, red accentuates the tones of skin a lot better than than green does, and so the green would clash with it. And what you want is for the person to see the uh, red tones of the skin rather than something that would clash with it. And so a bright red lingerie is a lot more uh, sexy and, and complementary of the skin tones than a, a blue or green would be. So you'll notice that there's a lot less blues and greens uh, than uh, warm colors. Um, and uh, and yeah, so film, uh, the, as you see in, in um, the ocean as well, and uh, in in everything, colors are very meaningful and very powerful. Uh, so all the uh, articles that I mentioned are on robertlego.org. The podcast that you're listening to now is found on that blog post as well. And remember that I do do audios in between. So if I haven't written anything uh, in a while, you might want to go on talkshoe.com create an account and then look for me as uh, question all uh, and uh, it's a free thing that you can just create an account and you can download all the audios I have audios from years ago on there when I first started doing this and I haven't taken any of them down uh, and I do um, make audios that are completely standalone instead of the blog cast which this is what it is where it's uh, very similar to the article that I wrote uh, so go on there, talkshoe.com, question all. Uh, and I believe it's 112768, the show ID. Uh, and if not, just go robertlego.org. And a lot of the articles do have links to the audio. So you can just right-click and download if you want 
don't want to go through that trouble. But uh, spread the word, please. If you, if any of these articles sound like something that one of your friends or somebody you know uh, would care to read, uh, pass it on. I really would appreciate that. I want as many people as possible to read these and to uh, learn about the research that I'm coming across. And I, I want to share it. I want people to be aware of all these things and to free their mind and understand their mind and how it works and uh, we can all grow together in this way so let's make it a little more interactive uh, tell some people spread the word copy the audios just don't edit them don't take things out of context just share them all in its entirety I don't do ads I don't uh, want to cloud it with any of that stuff but uh, please just uh, spread the word and uh, or the audios. Uh, so robertlego.org and um, I will uh, do another audio in between this and the next article. So take care of yourselves and thank you for making it this far and thank you for caring about this information as much as I do. Talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.